Praise the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Disciples House. Please be seated. Good to see all your bright and shining faces. All right. Well, upcoming events, uh, October 24th through the 26th is Contending Faith Bible Conference in Branson, Missouri. Me and Robbie will be going. Uh, November 4th is Lady Shopping Trip. It's also the day the clocks fall back. Uh, so don't forget that. Right? Gives you an extra hour to shop, right? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, November 17th is going to be our family fellowship. Uh, and there, Oh, there's details for the lady shopping trip down in the bulletin. I won't read those. But uh, December 16th will be the Christmas fellowship. And December 25th is Christmas evening service. Uh, and then April 18th is going to be our Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. If you're planning on going that, please uh, let me and Robbie know so we can get some uh, reservations made for a place to stay. And okay, and then Generation Life Camp is coming up in July. Please be praying for that. All right, our meditation for the week. Uh, Colossians 2, uh, verse 6 and 7 out of the King James says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So our confession, I am walking in him, rooted in Christ and built up in him, established in the faith, as I have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving, knowing this is because I have received Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Praise God. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is Luke 4.18. says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Well, this one's not about our healing. It's about us being the conduit for God's healing. But it's a good thing. All right, so our confession, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Praise God. He's given us a great commission. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord... We come before you today, we ask you to be with us and, and to lead us and guide us and to give me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for those that are here and the word, and the word for those that are listening online as well. Lord, we know that, that it is your will that we go forth and we do your work and you have anointed us and, and, and empowered us to do so. Lord, we ask for you to preach to us, to give us the words and the confidence uh, to help us to grow closer to you and to stand in confidence and in boldness when we're speaking and preaching of you and sharing you. Because 
Lord, we love you so much, we just want to share you. And we thank you for all that you've done for us and that you gave your son on the cross. Lord, we, just, we, we love you and we want to share you with those that we come in contact with. Because those that don't have you, Lord, they're lost. They're separated. They're our brothers and sisters even though they can't see it and we can't see it. So, Lord, help us to have that boldness. Help us to, to have that fear, to have that reverence that we will do your work even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for growing us in your, in your love and in your faith. Just thank you for being with us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We do stand in boldness. We do stand in authority. We are anointed to speak against you, and we will in Jesus' name. You must flee this room. You must flee this land. Leave in the name of Jesus. And while you're at it, get out of Israel as well. Lord, we pray for Israel that, that, that your hand be upon that situation there, that, you, that you, you, you cause peace and safety to come, and that you, that you cause good people to stand up and stop the evil, and to not let it lay, and to not let it ride, but to stop it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, church family. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walked in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. Yes. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. And I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen. Good job, Derek. song of the 
cry to you. We sing holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We bow to you and only you. Glorify, glorify, glorify your name. <clears throat>
mm. I want to serve you, Lord. We vow to seek you and only you.
our cries, Lord, as we sing to you, give honor and glory to you and you alone. Glory, glory, glory be your name, Father God. Glory to you, Father God. And we sing glory, glory in the highest.
glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory Glory to you, Glory to God. Praise you, Father God. Father, we do glorify you. We do magnify you. We do lift you on high. For you are God of gods. You are the Lord of lords, King of kings. Father, we thank you that nothing will come before its time. And, Father, we thank you that we, the church, hold back the evil of this world. Father, we thank you that as long as the God-called church, the God-anointed, the God-appointed, the God-ordained church is here on the earth, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, Father, we give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, I want to take a minute, and uh, we're going to pray for Israel. Uh, but before we do, I want to just point out a couple of things. Uh, Satan has always been, you know, it was pride that got Satan kicked out of heaven. And uh, it's pride, you know, and Satan was there at the writing of the word. He was there at, at the foundations of the world. Um, he has uh, knowledge uh, and, of the word, but he doesn't have a complete understanding of the word. Pride will block your understanding. And Satan is so full of pride uh, that, it is that his understanding of what is going to transpire and when it's going to transpire is um, he doesn't understand it. He is trying to bring things to pass before it's time. You need to understand that. Now, I told you uh, last week, I gave you the prophecy uh, that came forth. Several of us were in the meetings when those prophecies came forth. Brother Randy prophesied that there was a shaking coming to the world. There was a shaking coming to the political field. There's a shaking coming uh, to the economic realm. Uh, and guess what the shaking is? It's this attack on Israel. And it's affecting every part of society. Well, if you say, well, that's happening in Israel, what does that have to do with me? Well, do you not know that by the blood of Christ, you're, you're, you are a member of the family of Israel? By the blood of Christ, you are a Jew. Uh, I was listening. Uh, I took a few minutes out. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to what's going on in the news because uh, it's not good for my blood pressure because uh, uh, I get a little riled up. And as a pastor, it's not my job to be political. It's my job to bring you the gospel. So if you're listening to preachers out there that are getting all political, you need to back off of them. They've left their office. They've left their office. If they're more concerned with politics than they are with the gospel, they left their office. Yes. Uh, but I did, I was paying attention. We should pay attention. And I was listening to some interviews of some of the family members of some of the hostages. Now, these particular families uh, were out of actually Germany. These were people that were out of Germany. Uh, the, some of them had dual citizenship or their family roots go back to Germany. Um, and I was listening to them. So these are Jews whose homeland is Germany, but they were, some of them were in Israel or some of them had dual citizenship, and their family members were taken. Uh, the one that really bothered me, that really got to me, was a, was a, a gentleman that really held himself together.
and he explained his situation. He, uh, he's, he, his family's, uh, 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 and they basically they were pleading for Germany to stand up on Israel's behalf, is what they were doing, and they were pleading their government, Germany, to help get the re- the, the hostages rescued. And this one gentleman, he got up and he's and he began to say, now mind you, most of this happened on Saturday, October seventh, uh, as far as the hostages being taken and what have you. Um, and on he had not heard from his wife, his his mother-in-law, his wife, and his two daughters since Saturday. And how he found out that his ch- that his family were taken hostage is because he saw them on one of the hostage videos. That's how he found out. Wow. The reason he was not there is because he was not able to make the trip with his wife and children to go see their grandmother. And as he was telling his story, by the way, his two daughters, one is three, one is five, and one is three. He was explaining that uh, his mother-in-law's mother had just passed away six months earlier at the age of 100, and she was a Holocaust victim. In other words, so what does that mean? It means that at the age of 10 is when the Holocaust started. This this grandmother, or this great-grandmother, was actually in the Holocaust, survived the Holocaust, uh, which is the torture of Jews. Uh, If you don't know, you need to do your your research. Uh, But Jews were tortured. Millions of them died. And killed. And killed. Mercifully, they were starved, they were tortured, they were beaten. Their children were murdered in front of them. It was horrific what happened in the Holocaust. So here, and this is what he said. He said, I just thank my God that, that, my, that, that my wife's grandmother, who just turned 100 and went home, was not here to see her daughter and granddaughter and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, go into the, become victims of the second Holocaust. That's what he said. And I mean, my heart just, I mean, my heart was already hurting, but that's horrific. That's horrific. That's horrific. Um, but, but here's the deal, and, and, and I don't belittle his situation in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Satan has been killing babies since the Old Testament. Since the beginning. Uh, Go to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. His tactics never change. Mm -hmm. Satan's tactics never change. Why? Because we we know and understand uh, the importance of our children. Our children are our future. Uh, And uh, so if you go to Exodus chapter 1. I just want to drop over here. Chapter 2, I don't need chapter 2, I need chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Um, the Egyptians, it tells us that the Egyptians were, uh, the, the Egyptians had the Israelites, the Jews, um, held in captivity for over 400 years. Um, and despite their slavery, the Jewish people continued to abound. They continued, their populace continued to grow. Uh, their 
their uh, wealth continued to grow. Why? Because they were God's chosen people. And um, Pharaoh got into fear, and this is what this is what motivates Satan. Pharaoh got into fear that he was going to be overrun by God's people. This is what uh, motivates Satan. Satan is fearful of God's people. And so, um, here in verse 15, let's read um, verse 15 and 16. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Sipphora, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then ye shall live. Then she shall live. Pharaoh gave the order of the midwives. Now, a midwife's job is to bring a child into the world. But he ordered the midwives that if they, if they helped assist the birth of a son, they were to kill the boy right there in the home. That's what they were supposed to do. Um, this is not anything new. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Go to Matthew chapter 2. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> and uh, uh, go to verse 16. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. This is after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Herod had sent, uh, he got word that the wise men were going to go see the baby that was born. See, here's what the devil knew. The devil knew that there was going to be a child born that was going to take down his kingdom. So Satan moved upon Herod to uh, deal with the children because the devil thought if he could kill the, the child that God was sending, then the child could never... Um, uh, overthrow the throne. That's what Satan thought. Um, and, and he worked through the minds of men. Let's look at uh, second Ma or Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, because they didn't come back around and give him the information as to where the child was, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof. From two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Uh, and then look at verse 17 and says, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken uh, by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In uh, Ramah uh, was there the voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. And this is, a, this is a fulfilling of the prophet. Herod, by the time Herod figured out the wise men were not coming back, he had estimated that the, that, the, that the promised child was approximately two years old. So he ordered the, the, his troops to go into Bethlehem and to kill every single child, not just the boys, boys and girls. Now, that ought to tell you that uh, 
the devil knows that God can wear, can use girls. That right there should tell you that God can use girls and that the devil knows it. Because all the children, the boys and the girls, were murdered in their beds and in their homes. See, this is, so what Hamas has done in Israel is nothing new. These, these Hamas people, are, now here's what you have to understand. It's not the people. It's the spirits driving the people to do these horrific acts. It's the, it's the spirit behind it. Jesus said, go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I believe is where I want to go. It might be 2 Corinthians. In fact, I think it is. Let's just go there. 2 Corinthians 10. In fact, I know it is. Okay. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our battle, our warfare is not physical. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Because some people might say, you know, because we can say, well, we can pray. And some people might say, well, what good is prayer? Well, prayer, how good is prayer? Prayer is everything. Prayer is everything. Uh, Ephesians 6.10 says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Oh, well, he backed up. I said verse 10. Yep, keep going. I meant 12, but let's just do this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. Okay, so what are we not wrestling against? Flesh and blood. Hamas is not our problem. Hamas is not our problem. Now, when I say Hamas is not our problem, does that mean that we just let Hamas do whatever Hamas wants to do? No. No, that doesn't mean that at all. In fact, because these people are so consumed with demonic spirits, they have to be dealt with. You have to deal with them. But, but Hamas, uh, start, this Hamas issue started in the spirit. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. The problem is the four levels of demonic influence. That's what the problem is. That's what the problem is. Well, how did... These demons get such a great hold on uh, on people. How did uh, the? I don't know if you know this or again. I'm not being political, but I don't know if you realize this or not. On the one hand, the United States is we back Israel. We're get, we're going to give Israel everything they need to defend themselves. And at the exact same time, they're saying, "But hold on, we can't forget about the Palestinians and all the." And there's a truth to be had, uh, and we can't forget about all the innocent people there. Well, that there is a truth, but here's what you have to understand: the Hamas is not hanging out in Hamas camps like our military does. The Hamas is hanging out in and amongst the the, the people that are not involved. Th- this is a problem. In the Old Testament, and I know we're not under the Old Covenant, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating for this in any way, shape, or form. But God, but even God understood that sometimes the innocent get caught in the path. 
Because remember, because remember, the Palestinians are worshiping Allah. They're worshiping Satan. Oh, it got quiet in this Pentecostal house all of a sudden. Listen, the Palestinians are worshiping Allah. He is a false god. They are worshiping Satan. They are even, even the adults that are not part of Hamas are under this demonic influence. We have to understand this. They have made, listen, they've made their choice about what side they're on. They've made their choice. And I'm not being ugly and I am not advocating for violence. And, I, uh, you know, Miss Kathy was just in Israel last year. The people that have been victimized are people that she's probably come in contact with and talked to. We're not advocating violence, but we have to look at the reality of the situation. This situation even has our government split because there are people in our government, and I'm not being ugly, there are Muslims in our government that are advocating that we support and help the Muslims and not the Israelites. This is a problem. How are we going to turn the situation? Through prayer. Yep. Through prayer. I told Kathy, I said, here's what we know. We know that the innocent, the children, made heaven. We know that for fact. We know for fact the children are in heaven with Jesus. They're no longer in torment in any way, shape, or form. As far as the adults, we don't know how many of them were Messianic Jews, in other words, Jews that believe in Jesus. And we don't know, and here's the other thing you have to remember. This situation was not a surprise to God. We have no idea how many of the dead Jesus visited before this event occurred. We have no idea. And the other thing that we have to remember is God judges the heart, not the outward appearance. So is it, is it likely that some that have died in Israel have not made heaven? Absolutely. Uh, but we pray and we believe the best that God being the God of Israel, uh, intervened on Israel's behalf uh, and gave them an opportunity to receive Christ before it was too late. Um, so we have to understand that what's happening is, is rooted in the spirit. We have to understand that this is no new tactic of Satan. Uh, he's done this time and time again. I've just only given you two examples. Uh, but I want you to go to Matthew I want you to go to Matthew uh, 24. Matthew 24. Verse 3. And it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came on to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And the end of the world. They separated the two. Notice the disciples said, what's the sign of thy coming? What's the, si what's the sign of the end of the world? Where it said the end of the world, that's really a bad translation. It really should more or less um, been translated the end of the age. The end of the New Testament church age is really what that question should have been. Now let's look at what Jesus tells them. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. The first words out of Jesus' mouth is don't be deceived. 
We all have to be very careful to not be deceived. All right. Then he goes on and he tells us what things we need to be on the lookout for. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, I'm not going to lie. When I first started with God, actually reading the Bible and trying to understand it and what have you, I thought to myself, who in the world would think that they could just show up and say, I'm the Christ, and that people would believe them? Because that was the image in my mind is people were going to start like dressing like Jesus, acting like Jesus, behaving like, you know, just just trying to say, I'm Jesus. But that's not what this is talking about. Mm-mm. What he what he says, he says, there shall be many that come in what? In my name. In my name. In other words, there's going to be many that preach in the name of Christ. But remember, he said, don't be deceived. Just because somebody uses the name of Jesus does not mean they're operating in the power of Jesus. Nope. You need to write that down. Just because somebody uses the name does not mean that they are operating in Christ. Even the devils acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ. That's vocally. right. Yes. They spoke it out of their mouth. Yes, they did. Remember, he would tell them, he'd tell the demons not to talk because it was not yet time for the world to know who he was. He said, he said, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. What that means is they're going to say, I am like Christ. Remember the Bible tells us to follow Paul. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And the, the Bible tells us to put on Christ, to look like Christ, be like Christ. I am greatly concerned about the number of people that get their doctrine from YouTube. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I am greatly concerned by, from the number of people that get their teaching and their doctrine from... Now, listen, we're on the Internet. We're on the Internet for, two per, for three reasons. Number one, God said, get there. I didn't want to. My family will attest. I kept telling them. I kept just speaking it by the Spirit. We're, we're, we're going to go live. We're going to go live. And, and, and back there, Mom, who's the head of the tech team, she's like, I'm not prepared for that. I got my hands filled with just the sound. I said, I don't know what to tell you, but we're going. In my downtime, I found myself researching it. So when COVID hit, uh, and we didn't have a choice but to go live because, because the church came down with COVID, uh, we had no choice. We had all the, we had everything, we already had everything we needed to go live. I had to come in here, mom and I had to come in the church, uh, both of us under the influence of COVID, and figure out how do we do this thing. That's, that's, what, that's how we ended up going live. We were here till about 1230 at night, Saturday night, so I could come back in here and preach live uh, to an empty house, to a camera in my face about this close to my face. Yep, because Michael was yeah, he was bed way bad. get out of bed. Yeah, he was way bad. Uh, that's how we ended up getting there. Uh, but And I said, well, God, we did that now. Okay, we survived that. Now we can go off. He said, no. He said, number one, you need to be live for the people that can't that cannot come to church. We do have people that listen to us regularly that can't get into the house legitimately. And we're so thankful for them. Uh, and, and he also, and he said, uh, just, just stay out there. Uh, honestly, I'm in trouble because he said to get on YouTube and I don't want to be on YouTube. Uh, and I just keep There's good good stuff on YouTube. There is good, but But there's there's also a whole lot lot of bad stuff. 
of this right here. There's a whole lot of this right here. Because let me tell you something. They only let you see what they want you to see. That's right. They're controlling They control what you see. What you see. They, to the point that they even control what you find out about them on the Internet. It's the twilight zone in real life. These false prophets, these false Jesuses. These false prophets, these that come in the name of Christ and say, I am Christ, but shall deceive many, but shall deceive many. There are many people on the Internet that are operating by the hand of Satan, but yet they're presenting themselves as, as um, apostles, prophets, and pastors of Christ. You need to be very careful. You need to listen to the scratch on the inside. Uh, let me tell you what, before the Internet became a big thing, uh, TBN, Daystar, and all of that was a big thing. And I was hungry for God. I lived five hours from my church, uh, but I made it to church every single Sunday and every single Wednesday. Uh, but in the meantime, I needed, I needed God. So I would listen to that stuff, and, and, and it would be good. Now, okay, you, you know, God will let you do some things for a season. But then God began to teach me. And there were some good ministers that I listened to very, like, like God, like I would listen to somebody and immediately there'd be a scratch on the inside. I would just know on the inside, mm, there's something there I shouldn't listen to and I'd turn it off. Uh, but then there came the shift in the church uh, when the fathers of old went home, when the fathers went home. Actually, a little bit before the fathers went home is when it started. Uh, but um, there started to be a shift in the spirit realm, and it started to manifest in the natural realm, and, and ministers that were, listen to me, ministers that were once faithful and trustworthy were now preaching poison in their teaching. Little, little pieces of poison here and there. And there was one minister in particular that I really liked him. I mean, I really liked this one minister. I'd get so excited about him. And I remember I turned him on one day, and immediately in my spirit I heard, no. And I went, okay, I don't know what that was, but I turned that on. I heard no, click. I waited a couple of days, and I turned, him, I turned that same minister back on. And again, in my spirit I heard, turn it off. I mean sternly. I said, turn, him on, turn it off. I immediately turned it off. A couple days later, I, about a week later, I, uh, I went to turn him on again. Because I thought, well, it's just that sermon. You see what I'm saying? I thought it was just that sermon. And I thought, well, there's something in that sermon. Okay, Lord. Um, so I turned him off. Well, about a week and a half, two weeks later, I turned him on again because that, that no had kind of wavered. And immediately I heard, turn it off and don't ever turn him back on again. And I mean stern, stern. I heard it sternly in my spirit. And I went, and, and, and I, it, have you ever bargained with the Lord? Have you ever tried to bargain with the Lord? I went to bargaining with the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I, I said, Lord, I really like minister so-and-so. Minister so-and-so really gets fired up. Minister so-and-so, I learned a lot from him. I learned this from him, and I, I mean, I, I argued what I had learned from this minister. And the Lord said, I said, turn him off. Don't ever turn him on again. 
most people mess up right here. Most people will say, but why God? And he'll, say, and he'll say, I said, turn it off and don't turn it on again. And because the Lord won't give them a why, curiosity will make them keep going back and carrying back. But why? But why? Well, until you why, I'm not going to obey. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You don't have to know the why. You don't have to know the why. All you have to know is that God is sovereign. God is full of knowledge. He knows your future better than you know your past. God knows what's the heart and the minds of every person. And if he said don't touch it, the answer is don't touch it. And, yet, and you have to remember that, that, that God has your best interest at heart. And God knows what's good for you. And he's going he's gonna to tell you, he's not going to tell you things to hurt you or harm you, but to help you. Just like when you were little and your parents used to say, hey, turn that show off. You don't need to be watching that. It's going to give you nightmares. And you well, God doesn't want us corner. to be in fear either. You know, God, God, God doesn't want us getting the wrong doctrine or the wrong thoughts in our heads because he knows we'll think about it because we, we can't help it. You know, we're human. At least we, well, we can help it. We, we didn't <laughs> know point. that we couldn't so, help to it. A, but, if we don't, but if we don't know, if we're not, if we're, we're young children in his eyes. You know, and if we don't know what where this is going to lead to, we won't be able to head that off. You know, so God knows. And so if God tells you don't do it, you don't do it. It's just like your parents say, hey, don't watch that show. Turn it off. You don't ask why. You just turn it off. Now. Let's fast forward several years. And I mean several. Let's fast forward several years with this incident of turn that pastor off. Now, not only, he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one. There were several others here and there that the Lord would begin to say, turn it off. And the moment I heard him say, turn it off, I knew, don't turn it back on, because I'd already been strongly rebuked. So I just, I, I thought, Lord, I'm running out of people to listen to. This is, I mean, I ain't got hardly nobody left. I mean, nobody. And, uh, and it turns, so let's fast forward several years. So we fast forward several years. Those same ministers that God said, turn it off, don't listen to it anymore, are the same ministers that denounced tithing. They denounced offerings. They denounced the need to repent. They said we're, that, that we now live by grace. You can live any way you want to, and you're still going to make heaven. Uh, and all of that nonsense that entered the church. You can be, they, these are the same ministers that turned off their lights and, and started the concert, per, in the, in, had church in the dark. You know, God is the kingdom of light. They turned off all their church lights. They put in the dance lights and the flashy things and the smoke machines to counterfeit the glory. Uh, how much do you know? I didn't know what they were into, but God knew that they were deceived and God was protecting me. So when you have that, when you have that little, and I mean, I'm going, I'm looking at, I, and so I'm looking at the past, I'm looking at ministers that I have personal friendships with that are still embracing these ministers, and I'm sitting there looking at them, and I'm going, you're, you're supposed to be more educated and more experienced in hearing from the Holy Ghost. How come God didn't tell you no? No, no. God told them no 
they didn't listen. They didn't listen. Why? Because they're into following men instead of following the man. Amen. And they got themselves into trouble. So I'm telling you right now, you don't follow Pastor, Pastor Mike or Pastor Robbie. You follow God. Otherwise, you're going to be deceived. There are ministers that I have looked up to. There are ministers that have sowed into mine and Michael's life. That I mean, the very things that I learned from them, from them, I teach you, who are now walking the wrong way. And it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. It, it just does. But I want you to keep, but, but, here, but let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. All right. So I, I didn't say this. So for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. What does this mean? It means that there's going to be many people that are going to, that, that are going to present you what looks like good, godly ministries, but, they are, but behind the scenes they're serving Satan. And many of them don't even know that they themselves are deceived. You need to understand that. Many of them do not know that they themselves are deceived. And, why, and here's the deal. Why, do, why does Satan get into these big ministries? Well, there's a lot that happens in ministry that people don't know and don't understand. There's a lot of pressure to perform. There's a lot of pressure to make things happen. But I'm telling you what, the explosion of prophets and the explosion of apostles and the explosion of ministries that, I mean, if you will actually do your research, you'll find out that most of these extremely popular ministers have only been serving God uh, for the past six to eight years. They're novices in the ministry. Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen, and he told Dad Hagen, uh, he told Dad Hagen, he said, uh, you'll, you'll uh, see this if you'll read the book, I Believe in Visions. He was talking to Dad Hagen about the different offices. And he was talking about the visions that he's had. And he was talking about in this one vision, he, uh, Jesus was talking to him about the offices. And, and, um, and uh, actually, he, Dad Hagen had, um, was preaching and got real excited. And this was in the days of the reel-to-reel recorders. And a church lady had just bought a brand new reel to reel recorder, and it was right there at the platform. It was brand new. It was expensive in the day. And Dad Hagen got real, and he, you know, that's when they had the microphones that you put on your lapel, but they had the cord attached to you. So he had the cord attached to him, and he got real excited, and he went to jump off the platform, and he realized while he was in the air that he was going to land on this reel to reel recorder, and he didn't want to damage uh, this this recorder so he kind of twisted and moved so he wouldn't land on it when he did he landed on his elbow and uh, he got up and finished preaching then when he got done preaching he said uh boys i think you better take me to the hospital because he he knew he messed up his elbow well he was in the car being taken in the back seat of the car being taken to the to the hospital and jesus appeared to him and said um told him he uh, he said um he said, there's a reason that this has happened to you. I'm just summarizing. Jesus basically said, there's a reason this happened to you. I'll come, to, I'll come see you later and tell you about it. And so Dad Hagen was like, okay. And uh, he was in, because Dad Hagen was asking, you know, kind of like, why has this happened to me? 
And so Jesus, later, uh, they got him in the hospital. They got him all settled. They figured out that he had messed up the tendon and chipped the elbow. And uh, back in the day, they used to keep you in the hospital. So they said, you're going to have to stay in the hospital for a, a couple of days and let us kind of watch you and rest this arm and what have you. And so they got him all settled. And back in the day, you know, visiting hours was over. So it was just the staff and the patients. And the, and the hallways were dark and what have you. And uh, all of a sudden, he heard somebody coming and walking down the hallway. And uh, he, he didn't think too much about it. And uh, he, he got to looking, and he was kind of watching, and he saw that the person coming, he assumed it was a nurse or something, and he assumed that it was one of them. Uh, but he got to looking, and he noticed as he could see the shoes that the, that the person had sandals on their feet. And the person came and walked in his room and picked up a high-backed chair and dragged it over and sat down at his bedside and began to talk to him. It was Jesus. Jesus actually physically appeared and was able to actually move a chair and sit down in the chair and began to talk to him. And as he began to talk to him, he was talking to him about the different offices, and he said, you got into this mess because you've put your teaching office in front of your prophet's office. See, uh, he, he, was, he was called to be a prophet and a teacher, not a teacher and a prophet. And he and he would and he would he he was happy to be in the teacher's office because that was comfortable. When you're a teacher, you know what you're going to say ahead of time. Uh, the prophets very rarely know what they're going to say ahead of time. <laughs> very rarely, uh, and it's uncomfortable when you don't know what you're going to say ahead of time. And uh, so he uh, he was talking to him, but in this whole situation, he explained to Dad Hagen uh, that that a person has to grow into the office of a prophet, grow into the office. In other words, nobody starts out of the gate in ministry as a prophet. So if somebody says, comes on the scene and all of a sudden they're a prophet, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. So you've so you got to learn to do your research is what I'm saying. Let's read a little bit more. I didn't know we were going all here, but this is where we're at. So come on, let's go a little bit more. All right. Verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. Do we not have wars and rumors of wars going on? I mean, how about, you know, Russia's invaded um, Ukraine. That's been going on for some time now. Now Hamas is invading, uh, has tried to invade uh, Israel. And Israel is now, I mean, attacking the Gaza Strip like there is no tomorrow. I mean... And then how much you know, there's wars, there, there's rumors of these countries trying to come up. And I'm telling you, it's, it's more than rumors. They're trying to get it in place. They're try, Satan is trying to get it in place. What's my point? Satan is trying to bring it to pass before it's time. Uh, Satan has moved upon people to go over to South America and to come up through our open border. It's not, it's, <laughs> there's a reason our southern border is open because Satan is influencing that behavior and he's influenced the people that can hold that border open to hold it open. There's a reason for that. But they're talking about Iran and Iraq and China. They're talking about China, Japan, and Russia uh, all coming together to come against the United States. Talking about them coming, getting in cahoots with, uh, with Iran and, and, 
and Hamas and coming into Israel. There's all kinds of different war rumors. Yep, Russia and Russia and China have been doing uh, naval maneuvers off the uh, right on the border of the international waters for the U.S. You know. Yeah, there's just all kinds of stuff yep, going on. All kinds of stuff. So, How much you know? This is what we're seeing right now. Yep. So ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, for the end is not yet. What must he look at what Jesus said. He said, For all these things might come to pass. No must. Must. So Satan knows that there must be wars. So he's trying to bring the wars to pass before their time. He but Jesus said, Listen, when this stuff comes, he said, Don't get in fear. Why? Because Jesus knows the tactics of Satan. He said, don't get in fear. The end is not yet. It's not yet. It's not yet time. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse or many places. How much you know? We just had our first major pestilence worldwide with COVID. Come on. Famines. There's people starving all over the world in different places. How much you know? There's been more and more earthquakes, more and more fires, floods, horrific hurricanes and tornadoes. Why? Because earth is full of sin. Full of it. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So how much do you know these children, these Jews are being, how much do you know, it says you shall be delivered up and afflicted. How much do you know these women and children are being delivered up? How much do you know? How much do you know we've had Christians in America delivered up to the court systems, being afflicted? All different types of affliction. All of these things are happening right now. Now I want you to think about this. Uh, how much do you know in the time of the Holocaust, which was 100 years ago, how much do you know, almost 100 years, it actually started about 91 years ago, 89 years ago. Uh, how much do you know, they probably thought very much so the same way we think today. How much do you, how much do you know, they probably thought very similarly to us. There were probably ministers that preached the same sermon back then. All right, it says, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This next part's a little funny. And then shall many be offended. How much wow. do you know? We're What's in the... going on in the world today? Much... Everybody's offended about everything. Everything. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And that's what it's all about. It's about getting people to betray one another and to hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What's okay. iniquity? That's sin. Sin. Look at, look at verse 8. Jesus said, all these things are the beginnings of what? Sorrows. sorrows. That word sorrows could also be translated tribulations. But Jesus, very distinctly, there's a very, in, in, in the um, Hebrew and Greek language, the emphasis that you put on words tells you which definition to use. And sorrows, even though it means troublous times or, or uh, tribulation, times of tribulation, Jesus gave the clear indication that these times were not going to be as rough as, as times later coming up. He gave us very clear indications of this. How much do you know 
that the love of many are waxing cold. How much do you know that there are many, many Christians, and, and honestly because of the hyper-grace message, that their love for God, their walk with God has become cold. Has become cold. Now these next verses, Jesus, at this point, here what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about, um, especially in verse 15 when it talks about the desolation of Daniel, the desolation of Daniel can't come until the beginning of the seven weeks or the seven years of the Great Tribulation. So Jesus is taking a, is taking a, he's taking a side journey from our present time, and he's fast-forwarding to the time of what we refer to as the Great Tribulation. And then he makes a, but then he makes a comeback in verse 24. But I want you to look at verse 11 before we read on. It says, and many, what? False. False prophets. prophets shall rise and shall do what? Deceive, Deceive many. many. God does not want us dece uh, deceived. And twice now he's told us, watch who you're listening to. Don't get caught up in this wave of prophets. Twice now he's told us, be careful. Let's read on. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It's important that we endure all the way to the end. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Now that's talking to the people of Israel. He's talking specifically to Jews right there. Keep going. Then let them which be in Judea flee unto the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your fight be not, or flight, be not in the winter, neither in the, on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulations. What, what type of tribulations? Great. Great tribulations. So what he just described all transpires in the time of the great tribulation. So first he talked to us about the time of sorrows. Then he talked to us a little bit about the time of great tribulation, and now he's going to kind of make the transition back. Such was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor never shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Notice it says, uh, such as was not since the beginning of the world to... Uh, to this time nor ever shall be what do we know from our study of revelation during the great tribulation during the time of great tribulation satan and the demons are going to be full-on unleashed satan has not been full-on unleashed since god put adam and eve in the garden now prior to that if you dig into verse one and two of, of uh genesis uh you'll actually figure out that the earth prior to that was a complete desolation and, and destruction 
and was more than likely under the rule of Satan. But that's another sermon for another day. But he's not talking about since the day of Noah. He said, um, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. In other words, from the time of the garden to the time of this great tribulation, we have never seen demonic power to this degree. And we'll never see it to that degree again. So is he talking about the current age? Can't be. Can't be. And, he, and then he goes on and he says, except those days be shortened. In other words, that's why there's only seven years of those days. There should no flesh be saved. Why? Because every person would lose hope. Uh, but for the very elect's sake should those days be shortened, which means during the time of tribulation, there will be people that will be born again, that will belong to God. And because of those people, God will shorten Satan's time. And uh, now let's keep reading verse 23, 24. These are the two verses I wanted to get to. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. If somebody comes to you and says, Man, you've got to go listen to that minister. That minister knows God. Don't you take their word for it. Do your homework. Don't take your word. Man, they're so good. They're so powerful. This minister that I trust is promoting this minister. Don't take their word for it. Do your homework. Do you hear me? That's what it means. If any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ. Man, this person knows Christ. I mean, they got it going on. They've got miracle healings. They've got angels showing up. they got... <laughs> gold dust going on. They've got oil coming out of a, whatever it is. You remember? Uh, you remember? You know, most of us remember the the oil with the Bible. The Bible with the oil, right? No, you're not. It was happening when you were in my youth group, and I told you about it. Uh, remember? And then there was the remember the baptismal pool down here in Georgia that people would get baptized in the pool and they'd come out miraculously healed. What was getting all the attention? The pole. So how were they getting healed? Were they getting healed by the power of God or by the power of Satan? By Satan. How can Satan heal people? Because he's the one that puts the sickness and disease on them in the first place. So all he has to do is remove what he put on them. That's all he has to do. So just because people are saying and doing these miracles, don't buy it. Don't buy it. All right. All right. Verse 24. Yep. For there shall arise false Christ. And false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If it was possible to deceive God's ministers, these false prophets with their signs, wonders, and miracles will deceive other ministers. That's what it means. That's what he's talking about. If you, uh, if, 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 if I and Pastor Mike, if you, listen, if you're not following God, if you're following us instead of God, and Pastor Mike and I say, hey, this pastor over here, this pastor's amazing. They've got all these signs, wonders, and miracles going on. They preach the name of Christ. Go sit under them. And that minister's deceived. We've just allowed our entire church to become deceived. This is why you cannot follow just anybody. This is why you have to do your homework. Okay, Pastor. Uh, well, where would you go from here? Well, the biggest reason people are deceived, the biggest reason that, that the church is in the mess that it's in, 
the biggest reason that that uh, that Satan has got a hold on our nation and other nations is because a lack of fear of God. Because of a lack of fear. It's eleven thirty. We're going to get into the meat of the sermon now. What's today's sermon? Fear God. Have fear of God. Have fear of God. Have fear of God. Well, but, 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 Pastor, I thought, I thought I was God's friend. Right. I thought God was my friend. And Jesus keeps telling people, and the angels keep telling people, not to fear not. Right. So we shouldn't be fearful, right? What's right. a different type of fear they're talking about here? Right. There, there is the Satan. God's kingdom runs on faith. Satan's kingdom runs on fear. The fear that Satan's kingdom runs on is a, is, a, is a fear that absolutely paralyzes people. It, it gets them over into a place where they can't act, they can't think, they can't move. It disables people. That's not, what, that's not the fear of God that I'm talking about. The fear of God that I'm talking about is a fear that should, yes, cause you to tremble. It should cause you to tremble. Um, over in the book of James, James said to the people, he said, oh, he said, in fact, let's go look at it. Let's go look at it. Let's go to the book of James. James, all right. Let's go look at it. I hadn't, I hadn't planned this one, but let's go look at it. So we're going to go to the book of James. Get to Revelations, just back up a little bit. Get to Peter, just keep backing up. James chapter 2, mm -hmm. uh, let's pick up in verse 17. 17, all right. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. In other words, if you're not, if you have faith in God, but you're not doing good works, your faith is dead. Yes, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith without, without my works. In other words, you can't, you can't show your faith without good works. People say all the time, oh, I believe in Jesus. But, they have, but they're not working the word. They have no good works. They're not, in the, they're, not, they're not doing the things that God tells them to do. They're exactly. not doing the work. He said, you want me to show you my faith? Then I've got to show you that I'm working the word. But, but we don't see that. But so many people say, oh, I have Jesus. Or, I know Jesus. Many people will say, I know Jesus. Look at what he says right here in verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou dost well. The devils also believe and tremble. He, I, he, here, James is mocking people. He said, oh, you believe in God. But you have no fear of God. Exactly. You have no fear of God. You have no the demons fear, fear God, and look at how evil they are. He said, he said the most evil, vile creatures of the world, uh, of, of God, uh, of, of, uh, the, within the creation of God. God didn't create the, devil, the demons. You have to understand that. God didn't create them. Their pride created them. Uh, but he said of all the creatures everywhere, the devils even believe in God. But at least they have enough sense to tremble. In other words, even they have enough sense to fear. They have enough sense to fear God. To fear God. Um, I want you to go to Psalms 89. 
Psalms 89. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, but 7 is the one I want to get to. Verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou, in, uh, thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in, very, in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever, and build up thy house to all generations. Selah. Or build up thy throne to all generations. Oh, thy throne, or thy seed will I establish forever, and build up thy throne to all generations. And then it says Salah, which means think about Stop that. Stop and think about it. Think about, think about God's faithfulness. Think about God establishing the seed of David. Think about the covenant that we have with God. Stop and think about it. Now, let's pick up in verse 5. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord. Don't the heavens praise? Don't you ever look at the heavens? Don't you ever look up at the heavens and think, how do the clouds just hang there? How does the, how, how does the earth turn and the sun? Like, how does it all work? It's by the wonders of God. It's by the wonders of God. Thy faithfulness also in the, or in the congregation of the saints. How much do you know God's faithful amongst our congregation? I mean, there's, there's not one time that God's ever failed anybody in this house. Not one time. For who in heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Nobody. Nobody. Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Nobody. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of, the, them, of all them that are about him. So look at this. It says God is greatly to be feared. This word fear means to tremble, to dread. How much do you know? If you, and it sounds weird to take this word dread in, in, in connection to God. But if you're in the midst of, I mean, I want you to think about this. If God called, I can't even say that because he doesn't do that. If you left the earth today and you were living a sinful life and you had to go stand before him and give an account, don't you think it would be drudgery to go before the judge? It would be drudgery. We would dread it. But God doesn't want us to be dreadful. But we need to have an earnest fear of that, we, we need to hold that concept of, man, I don't want to end up having to go before the Father in the hot mess of sin. Just having that earnest fear will be enough to keep you out of sin. Honestly. Honestly. I look at the Lord this I look at the scriptures, and, and, and I say this all the time. Lord, if it wasn't for your mercy and grace, especially when I was born again, and I was still trying to get my life right. 
especially when I, when I still had active sin in my life, especially when I still, you know, when, when there was drinking in my life, when there was uh, gossip in my life, when there was hatred toward people in my life, when there was unforgiveness, all these things, when there was worry, anxiety, when all these, all these things that the Bible tells me not to do, but yet my life was full of them. And I thought, Lord, if something happened, I went home today. Oh, it wouldn't be. Uh, the only way I would make heaven is by mercy and grace. How much do you know? I, was, I, was, uh, I chose not to depend upon mercy and grace. Too many people say, well, the mercy of God will protect me. The grace of God has me. I made the decision one day. I said, you know what, Lord? I'm going to act like there's no mercy or grace. I'm just going to live like there's no mercy or no grace as far as active sin in my life. You know, and here's the deal. I can look at that, you know, I can look at that alcohol and I can think, man, I mean, I can have a really rough day and I can look at that alcohol and I can say, man, I just, that would make my flesh feel so good. And I'm living good. I'm not having any sin. But if man, I know what the word says about, but see, I learned what, by this time, I learned what the word had to say about alcohol. And I said, but, you know, and, 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 I, and, I, and I look at the drink menu, or I'd start to think about these things, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would say, what if there's, because I had made that determination. Lord, whatever the word says, that's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to act like there's no mercy and grace. The Holy Spirit would say, what if there's no mercy and grace? If there's no mercy and grace, and I drink that drink, and I don't repent, and I die, and the word's true, that the one that makes a habit, a habit of being a drunkard, uh, is that drink worth? Is that drink worth risking hell over? No, it's not. It's not. Is that cigarette worth risking hell over? No, it's not. Is that relationship outside of my marriage worth going to hell over? No, no, it's not. It's not. Why? Because God is the ultimate judge. And I've got to arrive at the throne with evidence that I presented myself a living sacrifice. When I get to that throne, I've got to give the Holy Ghost something to work with other than just the blood of Jesus. I mean, the blood of Jesus covers everything. Really, it doesn't cover anything. It washes everything is the way I should say it. But I also shouldn't frustrate the grace of God. And it says... God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. God is no longer feared in the assembly. He's not. He's not. People do not reverence the sanctuary anymore. People don't think twice about bringing in their sodas and their coffees. They don't think twice about dressing down. People, people come to church in their pajamas. Not in this house. Not in this house. Not in this house. But people do. Come to church. Now, don't get me wrong. If pajamas is the only thing you have, come in in your pajamas. But if you have something other than pajamas, put it on. People come into the house tired, doing their religious duty, getting their ticket punched and nothing more. Listen. If you were going to go before the king of the world, don't you think you'd get up and prepare yourself? 
Are you going before the king of the world in your pajamas? Are you coming into the king of the world without your hair washed, your teeth brushed, no deodorant on? You coming into the king of the world stinking and smelling like you ain't out of shower in two days? People do it. People come into the sanctuary, and instead of listening to the pastor, they're on their phone watching movies, texting friends, playing video games. I mean, come on. Here's, here, here's, here's God on his throne. I'm coming to see him, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, hey, God. You think that's going to fly with him? He's the Lord. He's, he's God of everything. And we no longer greatly fear him. Think about it. If Jesus, if Jesus appeared to us like he did to Dad Hagen in the hospital, what about your current situation would change immediately? Think about it. Think about it. When you have these, these, these thoughts, you know, I've been in church services uh, with the prophets, true, actual prophets of God, proven prophets of God that know God, been in those church services, and they get into that prophetic flow, and they're giving a word to this person, and they're giving a word to that person, and they're giving a word to that person, and you're over there thinking, oh, Lord, I want a word. Oh, Lord, I want a word. Oh, Lord, let them, ha- let them give me a word until they start to walk towards you. And then all of a sudden you start to sink down and you go, no, no, especially, especially the, the prophet comes to this person, gives them a good word of encouragement, comes to this person, gives them a good word of encouragement, calls this person out with some things that they ain't getting right. And then they start to head to you. You're thinking, oh, Jesus, no, don't let them come over here. How much do you know if Jesus, who is, a, who is the, who, he's not the father, but he operates as the father? How much do you know if Jesus walked in the door and started reading your mail? Those thoughts that you refuse to take control over? Those thoughts that you refuse to speak to? Don't you know in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us that we're to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the kingdom of God and we're to cast it down and bring it into the submission of Christ? How much do you know if you're sitting in the church service and you're thinking about everything else but, you're, but God? How much do you know Jesus walks in the room, all of a sudden those thoughts just got cast out? How come you can't do it in the sanctuary? Oh, look at that. He's got it right there. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into the captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. People say, I can't control my thinking. The Word says you can and you should. It is your choice to not do it. I agree with Dad Hagen. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you sure can stop them from landing and making a nest. What does that mean? That means that you can't stop a thought from entering your head, but you can decide what to do with it. And most of the time, we refuse to fear God and take authority over that thought. Instead, we fear the pre-bane devil that brought the thought in the first place. We fear the devil more than we fear our God. And that is a problem in the church today. 
That is a problem in the church today. See, when we were when we were little, we feared mom and dad, right? I mean, we feared the wrath of mom or the wrath of dad, or both. Um, and sometimes that was a good thing, and sometimes it was a bad thing. And I can't talk about everybody else, but I can talk about myself. My dad would fly into a rage to discipline me, and he brought the fear, but it wasn't the right type of fear, you know. And my mom, well, she was kind of weak, and and she would she would try to discipline me, but but and it worked because she was mom, you know. My mom provided for me. She fed me. She made sure I was clean. She watched over me. She kept me safe, kept me dry and warm. Uh, she healed my boo-boos. Uh, she, she did everything for me. She cleaned my clothes. She made my bed. She, uh, she was a wonderful woman who took care of me and, and provided for me and made sure I had everything I needed. If I was down, she'd do something to make my day brighter. How much you know you can apply all of these things to God? He Absolutely. wants to do all the same things for us. You know, but when mom, but I'll tell you, when mom got upset, when I did something wrong and she got mad, or if she just thought I did something mad, you know, even if wrong, I didn't yeah. do anything, I was paralyzed in fear. Why? Because mom was my world. She was my everything. If she was upset, the world wasn't right, and that, and it needed to be fixed. Whatever it took, I was going to do it to get it right. It's the way we should be with God. He 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 wants he gives he's given us everything. He's provided everything for us. He he's healed our boo boos. He's he's made a way for us to not be separated from him. And if he's not happy with what we're doing. We need to get it right. And we need to get it right now. This word fear, fear God, really what it means is to reverence God. It's what it means is to reverence God. It's the idea of fear. It's the idea of um, if God wanted to listen, I want you to think about this. Satan's failing was pride. Satan's failing was pride. He was, he, was, he was the most beautiful, one of the highest ranking angels in heaven. His assignment was to stand before, dance before the throne and worship God. He was beautiful. He was a reflection. He, he, he was designed to reflect the light of God. That's what he was designed for when he was Lucifer. But pride got any. In other words, I can do it myself. I don't need God's help. I can I can I can come up higher. Sound like humans? Sound like humans? He got so lifted up in pride that it, that the Bible says that God with a finger, with a finger of God's hand, God kicked him and a third of the angels out of heaven that were following him. I don't think this was the big finger flick. I think this was the pinky flick. I say this all the time. It, Jesus literally, the Father God, literally walked up to Satan. The third, and he went, bam. And I imagine a third of the, I, I imagine all, I, here's what I imagine. I imagine all of the angels.
angels, a third of the innumerable angels, stood behind Satan as Satan went to the throne of God and said, we're going to overthrow your kingdom and establish our own kingdom higher than yours. And God thought about it for a second and went to Satan. And it, and it hit Satan with such force that Satan and a third of the innumerable angels went and fell to the earth. Seriously. And you think you can disrespect and dishonor and go against the word of God? No. This, this, I mean, all he had to do was pick, pinky flick them. And we're like, oh, I'm not afraid of God. You ought to be afraid of God. You ought to have some fear. You know, it's funny. People get all over spiders. I'm like, where's that fear for God? Oh my, I had a teenager one time. She'd run in total fear and hysterics if she, if a butterfly got anywhere near her. I mean, absolute hysterics. I don't know why you know that. I don't. Where, where's the fear for God? Reverence is that type of fear mingled with respect and esteem. This right here, the type of fear that, make, that, that is acceptable to God is this, is a filial love. That's, a, that's, that's one of those love words. It's, it, it, it's where we get the word family from. It's a family type of love. It is a, is a feral love, an awful love, not like an awful drudgery, but, uh, but a, 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 yeah, full of awe. You're awe. just, you stand in front of God and you just, or you just even think about God and you just, ah, like just, just, I mean, overwhelming reverence of the divine nature. You think about the divine nature of God. You think about his character. You think about his love. You think about his power. You think about his power. And uh, proceeding from a just esteem of his perfection. The angels. The Bible talks about the angels that run around his throne and go, holy, holy, holy. Holy. It's because with every turn, they see another aspect of his perfection. And, 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 and this carries on for all of eternity. With every turn, they see another amazing part of his perfection. And they say, every time they see a new part of his perfection, they cry, holy. Proceeding from uh, a just esteem of his perfection, his perfections which produces, this fear should produce in us an inclination to serve, to his service, and an unwillingness to offend him. If you, let, if you separated my physical flesh from my God, my physical flesh would not think twice about using a profanity. My physical flesh would not think twice about going and drinking on a regular basis. If you separated me, if you hurt me, if you come against me, if you lie to my face and you treat me like dirt, I will throw you away if I'm separated from God. I will if you separate me from God. But you can't separate me from my God because my prayer for 20-plus years has been, Father, 
less of me and more of you. Father, turn, Father, bring me into the perfection of Christ. Father, help me to love the way that, that you love. And therefore, I cannot help but love every person I come in contact with, whether they know God or not. When I look at somebody brand new that I just met for the first time, and I look them square in the eyes, and I tell them sincerely with everything in me, I love you, I mean it from the, from the, from the very bottom of my toes, with everything in me. But that's not, that, I'm not loving them with my human love. I'm loving them with the love of God. And you can't separate me from that. You can't separate me from the compassion of God. You can't. You can't separate me from the knowledge and the wisdom of God. You can't. But if you could, I would be the person that I was before I came into Christ. I'm not that person anymore. And my heart's desire, the last thing I ever want to do in the world is offend my God. The last thing I ever want to do. I've, I've had this habit lately of people will do very stupid things driving down the road. Like one thing that drives me absolutely, Jesus, is when people drive down the center turn lane like it's their own personal lane. I've had people on multiple occasions treat that as their own personal lane. And I'm over here. I'm sitting in the lane waiting to turn. I can't move. And I'm honking my horn going, don't hit me. Don't hit me. It makes me mad when people treat that as their own personal lane. It will set my hair on fire. And I will, when I see that, I'm like, you are such an idiot. Because you're going to cost somebody their life. And immediately the Holy Ghost goes, excuse me. And immediately I repent because I just called, if the person knows Jesus, I just called my brother or sister an idiot. And if they don't know Jesus, I just called the person that God created an idiot. So either way, I'm in the wrong. So the Holy Ghost will poke me and say, excuse me. And immediately I have to repent and say, Father, I'm so sorry. I should not have called them an idiot. I should have said your behavior is idiotic. See, the Lord is working on me. The Lord is working on me. Because how much you know their behavior is idiotic. It is idiotic. People, some people, the Bible talk. I got news for you. If you haven't read Proverbs lately, go back and read Proverbs. It talks about the fool. You don't have to be a fool. No. You don't have to be the fool. If you read Proverbs and you identify with the fool, begin to change your behavior. Yes, in fact, the book of Proverbs was, was written to... Prevent you. To prevent you from becoming a fool. Uh, go to First Peter. We're going to close with this verse right here. First Peter 2. First Peter 2. I said we're going to close here. Okay, but we're not. Thank you, Holy <laughs> Ghost. But we are going to read First Peter 2, and then I've got to come back to this verse. Okay. Who stole Peter? There he is. First Peter, chapter 2, verses 15... Uh, Chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. <clears throat> For so is the will of God. What did it say? The will the of God. The will of God. That with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Listen, if we will do, if we will do well, if we will do what God tells us to do, we, we will put down 
the ignorance, the uneducated, foolish man. We don't have to do it in our own might and power. All we have to do is operate by God. But what I want you to notice is it says the will of God, and at the end of this verse, there's what? A colon. There's a colon, which means what he is fixing to say is directly connected to what he just said. So let's find out, what is the will of God? As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, what does that mean? I mean, uh, that means just because you're forgiven of your sins doesn't mean you should be going around doing them. Just because, just because you have freedom in Christ, just because you're heaven bound, does not entitle you to sin. Exactly. Does not entitle you to sin. But as the servants of God, so it, we're free, we should go around as the servants of God. We're, our job is not to, our job is not me, Lord, me, me, me. I'm so sick of Christian music right now. Almost every song that comes out, it's me, God, me, God, do for me, God, do for me, God. When are you going to, Christian artists, when are you going to come out with songs about God? You're holy and you're worthy and you're the healer and you're the provider. And God, we lift your name on high. Come on. Okay, verse 17. Don't read the italicized. Honor all. That's our job. Honor everybody. Does it say tear them down, dig them down, talk bad about them? No. Show every person honor. Love the brotherhood. Come on. Listen, why does it matter what's happening in Israel? Because they're our family. We're engrafted in to the Jews. That's our family. You're messing with our family. Listen, America is a Christian nation. America is, 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 if you choose, this is what we were founded on. I'm sorry if you don't like it. We are a Christian nation, and our nation was grafted in to the family of Israel. Come on. Now, since then, uh, we're, acting like, we're acting like the Jews under the law. Woo, we do whatever. We're all good. No, we can't. We're acting like a bunch of pagans. Holy Ghost? No, we're grafted in. We care about our brothers and sisters in Israel. We care about them. We care about our brothers and sisters all over the world. All right. One more. So love the brotherhood, fear God, honor our, honor the, our, honor. Honor the king. Honor the king, right, gotcha. All right. What does it say? Fear God. Go back to verse 15. So is the will of God. God. So we're looking at what is God's will. It is God's will that we have a reverential fear of him. Yeah. We need to have this reverential fear. How do you, how, how, how yeah. does. He goes on because we're servants of God, right? It says servants be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. In other words, the hard ones, the mean ones. We can go on more, but I want to close right here. Go to Colossians chapter 3. How do you, how do you start to fear the Lord? How do you start to really reverence God? Where, where, where's a good place to start? Where's a good place to begin? Well, go to Colossians chapter 3. If, if, if we, if verse 1, verse 1 and verse 2, this is how we begin. If ye then be risen with Christ. Are we risen with Christ? Amen. We're risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above. What are we supposed to seek? Seek the things above. 
Should we be seeking the next greatest video game? No. Should we be seeking the next greatest TV show that we can find? No. Should we be seeking the next greatest school event? No. The next, the best job, the best money, the best this, the best that. What will satisfy my flesh? The best meal? No. We need to seek the things above. We need to be about the Father's business. We need to be. We need to be. We need to be talking to God about Father. I don't understand this about you. Can you explain it to me? He will. How do we seek the things above? We meditate on the word day and night. Stop meditating on the lies that Satan speaks to your, speaks to your head. If, the, if Satan's telling you a lie, get into the, dig into the word and find out what the word actually has to say. If the devil's telling you you're a nobody, you're a no good, you're not going to measure up, get into the word and do your in hymns instead of making me get on you about doing them. Instead of me having to make us do a Sunday confession because you won't do it on your own. Instead of, instead of me sitting there and giving, out, you, giving you an in him book every time I turn around because you won't keep track of your book. How about you find out who, who, what you are? If the devil keeps telling you, you can't do it, you can't succeed, you can't do it. You, it's not possible for you to be a doer of the word. Why don't you get in the word and find out that everything that, that God is a rightful God and he's not going to tell you to do anything that you're not capable of doing and yet God told you to be a doer of the word. If God told you to be a doer of the word, you are capable of being a doer of the word. Amen. If God tells you to meditate day and night, then meditate day and night. That's how you set your affection on the things above. Where, what are you setting above where? Am I looking at the clouds? Am I looking at the stars? Am I looking at the sun? No. We're looking to where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Well, what does it mean for Christ to be seated at the right hand of God? Well, if you'll get into the book of Revelation, you'll find out he's seated, he's seated on God's throne. And you're seated right there with him. Amen. In the glory of God, where his train fills the temple. Every victory that he's ever had. And you're right there on that throne with him. Set your affection. Set your affection. What does that mean? Set your emotions. Set your passions. Set what drives you. Set what entertains. Set your affections. Set, set your, your emotions on God. I deal with more emotions than I deal with anything. And I'm like, if you just set your emotions on your affections on God, your emotions wouldn't control you. I hate emotions. You better not hate emotions. God gave them to you as a gift. No. Set your affections on the things above and not on the things of the earth. You're having a hard time in your relationships? Well, you get right with God. You let God begin to love you, learn how to be loved by him, and then you will begin to love people like you, did, like you need to love them. Verse 2. Set your affections on things above, not on th things on the earth. All right. Oh, I see it. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. I'm sorry. That is verse 2. They ran them together. I didn't realize it. Listen, if we'll do this right here, if we'll just purpose in our heart to set ourselves to seek the Father God, we will begin to reverence him and respect him. Amen. We will begin to come into the house giving him our very best worship. We will begin to come in the house prepared to give out of our spirit. We'll, be, we'll begin to go out into the world and show people the true living Christ. We will. 
But we have to have fear of God. Amen. Fear of God. Fear of God. We don't need to fear what the Hamas is doing. We don't need to fear what our government is doing. We don't need to fear economic crisis. We don't need to fear the prices at the gas pump or the grocery store. We don't need to fear the, the, the rumors of um, being laid off or the rumors of Social Security being unfunded. No. If we will seek God, all the fear of the devil will be eradicated. Amen. Because God will take care of his people. Listen, I love what Brother Randy says. He says, if it gets to the point where God's got to get an old hound dog to bring you a, grocery, a sack full of groceries to your front door, he will. And he will. And he will. He absolutely will. God knows where your supply is. But one of the first things to obtaining that supply is to begin to fear him. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Believe it or not, I preach myself happy. Amen. I did. I preached. Well, that didn't sound like a very happy message. Oh, no, because when you understand the fear of the Lord, when you begin to understand God, oh, when you begin to get the blessings of God, I didn't even get to these. In Proverbs, it says uh, the, fear of the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God. You want to be smart? Learn to fear God. Amen. Seriously. You, you, you say, well, I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how to do that, and I don't know how to do this, and I don't know how. This is a big problem for young people, especially. Older people, too, but especially for the young starting out. Well, I don't know how to run a household. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to write a check. I don't know how to do banking. I was riding with Jackie the other day. She didn't even understand how, how stores set their prices. I had to explain it to her. Now, there's nothing against her, but they don't teach these people this stuff anymore. Nope. They don't teach about markups and percentages and stuff like that. They don't teach that stuff anymore. But here's the deal. Instead of saying, I don't know, why don't you start going and seeking the face of the one that does? Amen. Glory to God. Well, I preach myself hot and happy. <laughs> I suggest we uh, bless the tithes and the offerings if our ushers will both come. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you for leading and guiding us and drawing us closer to you and teaching us that we should have uh, reverent fear and respect for you, Lord. We know that you are the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of heaven and earth, that you created everything and that you hold the whole earth in your hands, which includes us. Everything under the earth, under the stars, under the moon, under the whole universe is all yours. And you created it all, and and and. We should respect you and fear that. We should, we, should, we, should be, we should become paralyzed with fear when we, when we think that we might be disappointing you. Not, oh. Not, not paralyzed badly, but. But not, oh, he'll, he'll forgive me. Oh, he's yeah. already forgiven me. But, oh, my gosh, I don't want to disappoint yeah. my Father, my Lord in heaven. Yes, drawn to repentance, Lord. Drawn to repentance, that fear that draws us to repentance. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We'll meditate on this, and we'll, we will seek you diligently, and we will seek you first. We will put you before all things. We will test everything we do against your word and against what you would do and what you would have us to do. Lord, we will follow you all the days of our lives, and we will do your work here on earth as it is in heaven. We will do your work because you, because you have called us to do things, and you have 
told us to do things, and we should fear to disappoint you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, and we thank, thank you. you. Satan, Father. we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, we give unto your kingdom that, that, that your yes. work can be done here on earth. We give with a generous heart, a grateful heart, because of all you've done for us, that, that you are our world, and you take care of us, and you, you, you nurture us, and you grow us, and you heal us, and you teach us. You give us long lives, Lord. You have thank done you, so Father. many things. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, as we close out, Father, we just put you in remembrance of our prayers Friday night that we prayed over Israel and over, um, honestly, the nations of the world, Father. Father, we did we put you in remembrance that we loose the powers of heaven, we loose the armies of heaven, the angels of heaven to go and to provide supernatural protection and provision for our Jewish family, Father God. And Father, of course, we don't want any, any, any innocent to die on either side. So we thank you for divine protection, Father God. And Father, we know and we can see and we understand in the word that Satan is doing his very best to bring things to pass before their time. But Father, we, the church, stand between him and the timeline. And Father, we intercede and we supplicate. And Father, we ask that you hear our prayers. And Father, we know that if you hear us, that you have already answered us because we have prayed in accordance with your word. Father, we have bound Satan and we continue to bind him. And we command him to stop and desist in his maneuvers and his tactics in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we know that as we cover Israel in prayer, that all of heaven is moved upon their behalf. Father, we ask that you comfort the families of those that are taken hostage. Father, we thank you that you divinely protect those that have been taken hostage. And Father, we just lift you up. Oh, we lift up your goodness and your kindness in this situation. And we thank you that though we may not currently see your hand of provision, we know your hand is moving. Father, we ask that those whose lives are in danger of ending, Father, that you visit them supernaturally, that the angels them visit hope, them Lord. supernaturally to give them hope and to give them a chance to receive you, a chance to make heaven, Father God, on both sides of the fence. Father, we ask, oh, Father God, we... oh, Father, we just ask for your divine wisdom, for all the leadership there in Israel, here in our nation, Father, we bind the division and the dispute that's happening in the House of Representatives, that our House of Representatives will work together on Israel's behalf. And, Father, we give you glory and honor. Now, Father, we saw in your word that these things that are taking place are things that must take place. And so, Father, we look to heaven. We set our affections on heaven. We give you fear. We reverence you and fear you as we should. And we thank you that your hand of protection and provision is upon us. And we give you the glory and the honor as we continue to sow seed into your kingdom with great joy, honor, and respect. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. 